Last Sunday, we heard the gospel lesson proclaimed in which Mary receives the news from the angel Gabriel that she's going to become pregnant. We call this the annunciation, the announcement. The the young Mary hears the words of the angel, and it isn't altogether clear that she even believes them initially, right? We call it the annunciation because it's the announcement. We don't call it the uh, acceptance, the, um, the willing following. We call it the annunciation. She even initially says it, right? She says, how can this be? How can this be so? But like so many other transformations in Scripture, the, the switch is suddenly flipped. She goes from, how can this be so, to this mysterious acquiescence or acceptance or willingness, or at times it might even feel like a resignation. We, we don't really know what it is. All we know is that she says, let it be so. And that was our focus last week, a willingness to dance into the mysterious shadows, the mysterious shadows of an announcement that doesn't, that doesn't initially feel particularly wonderful, but a willingness also to accept it an acceptance of this news that while she's not married, she'll become pregnant, and that she'll bear a son who will be great, the son of the Most High. The angel knows that this news of the pregnancy is distressing for so many reasons, but more importantly, even before the angel brought that news to Mary, (coughs) The angel must have known that the news would be distressing. And we know this because of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The news of Elizabeth's pregnancy, pregnancy that the angel brings to Mary, that news that she brings to Mary, he brings to Mary. And at the time that Gabriel visits Mary, Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. So let's back up a little bit. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, this same angel that visits Mary at the Annunciation has visited a man named Zechariah. And the angel tells Zechariah that his wife is going to have a baby. His wife is Elizabeth. Just like Mary, Zechariah is terrified. Terrified when the angel Gabriel visits him. Zechariah is inside the sanctuary. He's doing his ritual duties as a priest, and he's not expecting this moment at all. He and his wife are both of what we like to call advanced age, right? And their dream of parenthood was long gone. But this angel looks to Zechariah and says, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. You're going to be a dad, and you're going to name your son John. You will have joy and gladness, the angel says, and many will rejoice in his birth. And Zechariah doesn't buy it. And he tells Gabriel that he doesn't buy it. And Gabriel does something that's a little strange, especially given the response that we see later from Gabriel to Mary. In that text we looked at last week. Here, though, Gabriel says to Zechariah, Because you didn't believe my words, you will become mute unable to speak until the day these things appear. Sure enough, Zechariah leaves the sanctuary after this encounter with Gabriel, and he can't speak. The text says that he started using motions to try and describe what had happened. 
He uses these hand motions to try and convey what's happened to him. But friends, how do you describe with hand motions an encounter with an angel, an angel with news that's beyond comprehension? It seems that Gabriel's silence is almost a gift, a strange gift as sometimes things need to be left unspoken. Experiences need to be left unspoken. Words sometimes don't do justice. As someone who likes to take pictures, I remember one time I was fiddling with my camera and it was uh, on an adventure in Alaska and I missed the things that were unfolding in front of me. A a group of eagles that were flying, flying by. And I remember a man looking at me and saying, sometimes you have to look with your eyes and not the camera. Some things just aren't meant to be captured. And in this moment, in this moment, Gabriel's silence might have been a gift. And so Elizabeth becomes pregnant. She's pregnant. She's got John the Baptist growing in her womb. She must have spent so much of that strange six months wondering what was going on. Her husband couldn't speak, and so he may have had some answers, but he couldn't really get them out to her. She knows she shouldn't be pregnant, but she also is well aware that she is pregnant. The angel Gabriel did tell Zechariah so much about John, that that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born, as he's growing in the womb that he will be a messenger of good news, preparing the way, announcing the way of the coming Savior. And yet Zechariah couldn't communicate any of this, even to his wife. He's gone silent, and, and so perhaps because he's silent, we don't know, but Elizabeth decides to seclude herself. She goes away to seclu- into seclusion. And we don't know much about what, Mary do- or what Elizabeth does or what she says. The only glimpse we have into her mind We get in Luke's text where she says, This is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. Elizabeth's inability to conceive a child like so many women before her in Scripture, like Hannah and Rachel, it was a source of pain for her. Pain that she might not have even articulated very much, but pain she carried. So much sorrow, and the word in our text is disgrace, a, a word that, that carries with it the pain of judgment of, of others, perhaps. And in this moment when Elizabeth has perhaps even finally accepted or, or lived with that feeling of judgment or disgrace, she has this message, this message of a coming pregnancy, but really now this message growing within her, a message of, of love, a message of no longer being judged. It's confusing. It's a wonder. It's a mystery. A mystery. It's an anxiousness, though, also, an excitement, but really a transformation for her, a transformation and change where love comes down and takes away her disgrace, and so she goes away. Perhaps to reflect, to process, and maybe even to just have a little bit of time to delay the questions and expectations of others as she's pregnant in her old age. 
And so we have Elizabeth set apart, reflecting on her new reality. And then we have Mary, who's received this annunciation, this announcement, this visit from an angel, the same angel that silenced Elizabeth's husband. And Mary receives this news from Gabriel about her own pregnancy. And as I said, that angel must have known months before, well before, he must have known that Mary would need a sign, a reassurance, an indication that even in her faithfulness to God, that God was stirring. She needed a nod from God along the way. And so it is that Gabriel tells Mary, you're not alone. You're not alone. Your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. And it's after that news, after that news, that Mary says, let it be so. And the angel reminds her in that moment that the impossible is possible with God. We hear that phrase a lot, I think. It, we hear it so often. But hearing it from an angel in that moment when you've been given news of the impossible, it seems appropriate, doesn't it? The impossible is possible with God. A pregnant older woman and an unwed pregnant girl. The impossible is possible. And so our text this morning sets the time of Mary's visit to Elizabeth. We call this the visitation. So we've had the Annunciation, and now this will be the Visitation. And the timing of this visit is measured by Elizabeth's pregnancy. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Luke writes. And this isn't an accident that Luke times things this way. These pregnancies, these women, these babies, these visits, they are so prophetically and intimately connected to what's going on in the entirety of the good news, the gospel, the good news of the incarnation, the good news of, of God becoming flesh, God becoming human and flesh. The physical flesh connectedness of this entire scene cannot be ignored. So you see, Mary is given this unbelievable news of her pregnancy in the sixth month of the unbelievable pregnancy of Elizabeth, and Mary goes. Mary goes. We don't know what Mary was thinking when she left to see Elizabeth. But we can wonder. Was she worried that Elizabeth would think she was crazy? Would Mary wonder if she had dreamt the whole thing with the angel Gabriel? Maybe going to see Elizabeth would be a way to help her to wake up. Would she be mocked by Elizabeth? Was she excited to see Elizabeth, to find out if it was all true? In that moment last week when, when Mary says to Gabriel, let it be so, the Annunciation, she seemed so certain, at least in the words of Luke, she seemed certain. But what about now? Did doubt creep into her on that dusty journey to see Elizabeth? Friends, it's 75 to 80 miles we're talking. 75 to 80 miles from Galilee to the Judean countryside. 75 or 80 miles for Maybe five days of walking? Of course we have no way to know. But I think we can imagine what she might have been thinking, what she might have felt. We can imagine our own fearful journeys. Our own moments of confusion. 
when we seek to find answers in the wise presence of someone we trust, and yet even, even then feeling anxious or fearful about uttering words that we don't want to utter. Talking to someone who might be able to feel something of what we feel, but also yet might judge us. And so Elizabeth goes. She walks. She goes to see Elizabeth. Fears aside, she goes to Elizabeth because if there's anyone who might possibly understand her, if there's anyone who might possibly understand her unbelievable pregnancy, it's Elizabeth. And if what Gabriel said about Mary was true, then wouldn't what he said about Elizabeth be true too? Might it be true? And so she walks to the Judean countryside and she's welcomed by Elizabeth who cries out when she sees her. Elizabeth cries out with a big voice. The Greek word is literally megaphone. She cries out with a megaphone, a big, joyful, loud sound, a greeting that in a moment had to have done what even an encounter with the angel Gabriel couldn't do for Mary. You see, it took a sister on the journey, an older, wiser, pregnant woman, to see, and not only see Mary, but to cry out with joy at her sight. Some scholars suggest that this large sound, this megaphone of Elizabeth, is the same description used for the sounds that many women make when giving birth. The loud cries of a woman bearing down and bringing new life. But we know that that Elizabeth is months away from giving birth. So this loud crying, this joy-filled welcome must mean something else, some other conflicted tension of pain and joy. She cries out indeed because she herself, our text says, has been overcome with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God within her. She cries out because this child inside her is leaping for joy as a sign from God. She cries out because one womb is speaking to another in a mysterious and flesh divine moment of God's faithfulness, God's reassurance, God's blessing. And Elizabeth says to Mary, Mary, you are blessed. Not you will be blessed. Not even a wish, may you be blessed. It is a declaration. You, Mary, are blessed. And so is the child within you. But first, it is Mary who Elizabeth declares as blessed. And then Mary, or Elizabeth goes on in our text to be the first to name Jesus as Lord. This is huge. This is a declaration that that Elizabeth makes. And it's powerful that a woman is the first to make this declaration. How interesting is it that it is a woman who is the first to declare Jesus as Lord. And it is a woman who the angel called favored and who Elizabeth called blessed, this woman Mary, who will be the bearer of Christ. And a woman, eventually, Mary Magdalene, who will be the first to announce the resurrection of Jesus. 
God has used the voices, the wombs, the flesh, the words, the hearts, the faithfulness, the prophetic word and honesty, the vulnerability, the wisdom of women to declare good news, to preach gospel since the beginning of the story of God's intimate dance with humanity. When a world and a society both then and now seeks to silence women, to devalue women, ignore women, control women, it is absurd in God's eyes. And it's completely counter to God's story. And even more than that, these two women, Mary and Elizabeth, these two strong women have made the choice even in their confusion and their fear, they've made the choice. They've made the choice to submit to God, to be joyful, to joyfully approach the strange future that comes ahead of them, joyfully and fearfully in the strange interplay that happens when we allow ourselves to find and experience God even in the midst of our uncertainty when we choose to follow God again and again and anew, and joy finds us. Even when we're surprised to be found by joy, allowing ourselves to find joy, which sometimes looks like risk and vulnerability and sometimes looks like foolishness and sometimes seems counter to our circumstances, When we choose to approach God, we choose to be ready to receive the joy, to be surprised by joy because of God's promises and because of God's goodness and ultimately because of God's becoming enfleshed in Mary, Mary who was called blessed by Elizabeth, Elizabeth who is carrying John. John, the one who will prophetically cry out and declare the way of Jesus. John, who according to Gabriel's words to Zechariah, is already filled with the Holy Spirit. Already. While he's, he's growing and developing in that womb, he's filled with the Holy Spirit inside the womb of Elizabeth, already preparing the way. He can't speak yet, so how does he prepare the way? He declares the message of Jesus when, when Mary comes into Elizabeth's presence by erupting within the womb and causing a stir in Elizabeth. Lauren Wright Pittman, the artist who created our cover image that I used on the bulletin this week, writes that Elizabeth's womb radiates with joy, with the leaping of the one who will spend his life directing attention, awe, and reverence to the one in Mary's womb. Radiates joy. And Elizabeth, feeling the radiating joy of the prophet within her womb, she knows that something wondrous is happening in Mary. And Elizabeth, during this episode we call the visitation, prophetically declares that Mary is blessed. She declares joyfully that Mary is carrying the Lord, Jesus. Jesus who will heal the sick, cast out demons, love the unlovable, feed the hungry, befriend the friendless. Jesus who will suffer and die, and Jesus who will be resurrected. All of this. All of this because two pregnant women, womb to womb, hearts to hearts, 
eyes wet with tears, bodies filled with the Holy Spirit, all because these two pregnant women, in the midst of their confusion and fear, experience a moment of joy. And they choose to rejoice. Surprised by joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.